before we start today, I want to ask you a question. I, and I hope you have an answer to this question because uh, I know I do. I'm going to share it with you in a minute. But here's the question. Do you have a favorite Christmas? Is there one when you look back, you think, yeah, you know, there's this Christmas of perhaps a date, perhaps a place, a location, a, a particular gift that you received. When you look back, you say, that was my favorite Christmas. It's not uncommon for people to have an answer to this question. It's, it, it's an event, a memory, a feeling that exists in a moment of time that gets stuck in our minds. And it becomes essentially the archetype for all other Christmases that are to come. It's the one that all other Christmases have to measure up to. And as you look back, there's a good chance, whatever the reason it's your favorite Christmas, it's because it, it, it led to this sense of joy that existed in your life and in your heart at that time. You know, when we ask people this question, uh, especially younger people, it's not uncommon for them to think of a favorite Christmas that is directly attached to a gift that they received. Your favorite gift. I wonder what that favorite gift, favorite Christmas may be. If you're joining us online, feel free to type that in the comments, what your favorite gift or your favorite Christmas may have been, and, and share that with people that you're worshiping with today. And while you're doing that, I want you to look for myself. I've received many wonderful gifts over the years. I've, I, I've received multiple sets of Lego when I was a little guy, especially space Lego. This is before Star Wars Lego. We just had space Lego. I've received all sorts of jewelry. Nadine and I have taken some trips. Instead of buying gifts, we just decided to go on a trip instead. But as I look back upon all the Christmases that I've experienced, and I think, what is my favorite Christmas? You know, the one that stands out for me, and a little surprising for me, but it's the Christmas of 87. Now, I don't know why, necessarily, it's the Christmas of 87. It, it might be the age that I was at. I was about 12 years old at that time, and maybe it was just a good, a good age to, to be able to experience, understand, and remember those feelings. But here's what I know about the Christmas of 1987. I had made my Christmas wish list, but there's only one thing on the list, you see, that was the year that Nintendo brought out their first console, and it was hot. Like, everybody wanted that. And, and my Christmas list was really quick and easy to write that year because it was just NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. And, and I had shopped this, and I knew exactly what it looked like in the stores, and I had studied it, and I knew it. And, and it reached a point where I saw my gift under the tree, and it was, it, was, it was a gift that was wrapped up like this, and it was under the tree, and I thought, I know the size, I, I, know, I know the weight, I, I know the feel when I shake it, and I knew exactly what it was. It, it was actually, it couldn't be, could it? Did somebody get me a Nintendo for Christmas? <laughs> Is it okay if I open it, or just take a second and open it? Should we do it fast or slow? How do we? Fast, okay. Woo! Look at that. A Nintendo, it's like 87 all over again. I had longer hair in the back at that time. But look at this thing. I wonder, anybody else remember these? Anybody else remember the joy of one of these? Look at, look at that. There it is. The joy of a Nintendo. And, oh, and then the ultimate, Duck Hunt, remember? 
remember Duck Hunt, that annoying dog that would always. This, do you remember these things? Anyone else, any Gen Xers having a moment of nostalgia with me here? Just remembering, yes, there's the hands going up. Remembering what that was like, how amazing that was. Do you remember how, how incredible that was? I remember when I opened this when I was 12, Christmas was over. I took this to my room, I set it up, and for the next 12 hours, I was Link, right? Going to rescue Princess Zelda, who could not keep herself out of trouble. Going to rescue her all day. I remember that night I would lay in bed and close my eyes and the image was burned on the back of my eyelids. And I couldn't sleep because how excited I was to have this thing. I eventually did fall asleep, but I explicitly remember that I still dreamt that I was fighting monsters in the land of Hyrule in my dreams as well. And when I woke up, what do you think I did? Right back at it. Right back at it. This is awesome. Maybe, maybe after service we'll, uh, what do you think, Reg? Can we... Uh, Get this thing wired up and maybe. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. This thing is amazing, but, but here's the thing. It's been 35 years. And at some point, the joy of this left me. Like, not completely, because I still remember it. It's still pretty cool. But the joy of it left me, because it's been 35 years. And as I look back, I still remember that there was this moment where I finally beat the game and then... I got to get another one. And I beat that game and got another game and I beat that game. And, but eventually it just became kind of common. And then I remember another day that came along where suddenly I heard that there was a newer, more powerful system that was coming out. More power, higher resolution, better games. They called it the, the Super Nintendo. <laughs> and this thing went into a box. And that box went on the shelf, and that box went from the shelf to the garage one day. And there's probably some people who are listening to me right now thinking to themselves, do I have one of those in my garage? I still got one around somewhere. You know, these things, they wear out on us. Just like my clicker just died on me. (laughs) And I'll switch over to my backup. So what about you? What, when I asked you what was your favorite Christmas, what was the best thing you had ever received, how, how did you answer that question? Was it about a thing, about a gift, about an event, a place? And here's what I know about it. Whatever it was, I want to believe that it captured your heart. And as you look back upon that, you still have these thoughts. It's still stuck in this memory in time. But just like this NES, it's not able to sustain the joy of that moment in time. You see, when we look to gifts or we look to people who give the gifts to be the source of joy that endures, we end up finding ourselves being disappointed because they don't have the ability to keep that happening. Eventually, it fades. Eventually, it fails us. Eventually, a new model comes out and needs to be replaced by something else. You know, the title of this the series we're going through this Christmas is The Best Christmas Ever. And we gave you the choice at the very beginning. If you could put a a question mark at the end of that statement, or you could choose an exclamation point at the end of that statement. And I know at the very beginning that that team question mark was winning. But over the last couple of weeks and some of the feedback I've received from people, I, I think team exclamation point was making some inroads. 
I had heard that people were saying, you know what, in spite of what's going on in the world around me, I'm getting this sense, I'm being reminded, I'm, I'm being drawn back to this reality that when I am in Christ, there's, there's joy in that. And there's this renewed vision, this inspiration in spite of the circumstances around us. That life in Jesus Christ brings hope and peace and can bring that lasting source of joy. But then this past week happened. We had these new announcements that came out and, 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 and they, they, they threatened to take team question mark and give them a second breadth, a second push for your attention. And in that moment, I had the unenviable task of having to come up here and talk to you about joy on this particular Sunday. Now, I'm not going to tell you the things that we've missing out on this year don't matter. I'm not going to lie to you and say that they, that they don't affect us because I know that they do. Uh, the gathering together to open gifts, the, the gathering together for dinners and the, and the shopping, the, the travel to visit family, the dinners that we would have together, it all matters. And it's all bringing us a sense of loss. And if you are feeling down right now because of the loss of these things, if you're having a hard time catching the joy of the season because it feels like you're chasing after the wind, I'm not going to tell you that I have the perfect words to make that all better today. Because I don't. Because those things do matter. But I ask you to consider this. If those things are able to steal our joy, as good and as exciting and as valuable as those things may be, doesn't that actually prove that they can only provide momentary joy? And if they only provide momentary joy, in fact, doesn't that also prove to us that we have even more reason to seek a different source of joy, a more lasting, enduring joy, one that will never fade, will never be upgraded, will never be improved upon, and yet it will offer fresh experiences to us in this Christmas and the one to come. Now, if you've been around the church for more than five minutes, you know that today I want to point you to Jesus Christ. I want to point you to Christ and remind you that it is in him in which we can find that spark of joy that the world can never extinguish. We read about this in multiple places in the Bible, but one place I want to draw our attention today is to the book of 1 Peter. Where in the opening verses of 1 Peter, Peter there is making a case for why Christ and the birth of Christ, by extension, can fill us with this incredible joy. A joy that is not found on Amazon. A joy that you can't wrap and then place under a tree. In fact, a joy that you can't even see. It says this in 1 Peter verses 1-8. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Now here's something I'm willing to bet. Is there anybody here who wrote a Christmas list this year probably put down a whole bunch of tangible things? Things that you can touch and feel and hold. Things like, like Lego that I mentioned a moment ago. Many kids will want Lego this year because they can build a set of Lego. People will want jewelry, rings that they can wear, clothes they can put on, iPads they can play with, bills that we can pay. Well, we may not want those, but, but those come with all of this other stuff. But here's something else that many of us may have discovered, is that sometimes that's not the only type of gift, not even the most important and special type of gift. You see, 
Sometimes the gifts that we can't see are even more valuable. A couple years ago, Nadine and I reached the point where we figured, you know, our, our kids have pretty much everything that they need. And if something comes up, we just buy it throughout the year. And so, so what are we doing at Christmas? And we thought, well, maybe we'll start buying experiences for them instead of gifts that they can have and hold in that sort of fashion. And so some of these gifts were, were things like, like trips. We would take them on a trip with us, or we would donate some money on their behalf. That was really popular with the teenagers. Or, or we would give them some money that they could use towards microfinancing, which I thought maybe it's because I'm a pastor, but I thought it was a pretty cool idea where they could help somebody in a third world country get a business started and then do some microfinancing. Probably not popular on anyone's list. But these were neat experiences that, that people were involved in, that we were trying to share with other people in our lives. You see, Peter's kind of suggesting a similar thing here for us. He's suggesting the same scenario that we can experience in our lives with Jesus. Not that we can tangibly see him, but we can still experience him in our lives. And that experience we have of him in our lives can lead to a point where we believe in him and by extension that we can love him. And the result, therefore, is that we are filled with this inextinguishable, glorious joy that is eternal and beyond words. And is also available to all people. Everybody has the opportunity to receive it if they believe in it, but not everybody does. In fact, not even every disciple did. You see, when when Peter was writing this, I often wonder if he was thinking back to the account that we find in the end of John's gospel, in John chapter 20. Where the disciples are at a point in their journey where Jesus has been taken from them. They have seen him crucified. They have seen him taken down off the cross and laid in a tomb. And now a couple of days has passed and they have seen that tomb empty. This is a time of of being very disorientated for the disciples. It's a time where they're experiencing incredible loss. And they're thinking to themselves, how do we make sense of this? What do we do now? And even a fearful statement like, well, who's going to be taken from us next? What are we going to lose next? And so in this moment, in this state of uncertainty and disorientation and negative feelings, they lock themselves in a room together. And as they're locked in this room, Jesus appears and says, peace be with you, which which is Bible speak for calm down, relax, it's okay. Because they saw him dead and now he's there, so they're thinking... He's a ghost. You probably think the same thing too. There's a ghost in the room with us, but he calms him down and says, peace be with you. And then he proves that it's him. He says, says, here's my hands. Touch my side. And he proves them it's him and that he's alive. And then it tells us in John 20, 20, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. But they weren't all there. One was missing. Thomas was missing. Thomas wasn't there. I don't know if he's out running errands or whatever it was that he was doing, but when he finally showed up, Jesus is gone. And so the disciples tell him, you just missed Jesus. He was just here. You should have been here five minutes earlier. Thomas doesn't believe. He won't believe. Whenever I read this story, thinking of getting nostalgic, going back to the 80s, whenever I read this story, it reminds me of, you remember that show Sesame Street, where Big Bird has his friend, Mr. Snuffleupagus, right? Everyone's always showing up late, you know, Big Bird's hanging out with Mr. Snuffleupagus, and then Luis shows up just after Snuffy leaves. Nobody ever saw him, so they didn't believe in him. 
Okay, Big Bird, right. You have this imaginary friend, right. But then after, fifth, after about 14 years in 1985, they finally revealed and everyone met Mr. Snuffleupagus. Kind of the same thing happens here with Thomas. Thomas says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I put my hand in his side, I won't believe. Well, Jesus didn't wait 15 years. He waited one week until they were all gathered together again, including Thomas this time. And he appears to them once more. And he says directly to Thomas this time. He says, Thomas, put your hand in my finger. Put your, reach out and touch my side. Stop doubting and start believing. To which Thomas responds, having seen now, he responds and says, my Lord and my God, with this joyous expression. But Jesus' response to him is interesting because he affirms Thomas' words and saying, yes, now that you see, you believe. Because you've seen me, you believe, but then he looks past Thomas. He looks down the line through history to people like you and me, and he says, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. See, Jesus reserves the blessing for those who have not seen, and if they have not seen, yet they can still experience him. They have not seen, and yet they believe in him. People like you and me. We can't physically see Jesus, but we can experience the power of his presence in our lives. And now to be in this blessed state that he's speaking of here is is synonymous with being in a state of joy. Joy and blessedness are considered synonyms. See, now we look at this word blessedness. It refers to somebody who receives like the divine favor of God. And, And Quite often the way this is lived out in our world is is somebody experiences or receives something good and they are filled with joy. And if you look on social media, you'll see examples of this all over the place. I I went on to Instagram earlier this week. If you're not familiar with Instagram, it's a social media app where you can share videos and pictures of, of yourself and your life experiences. And you can search certain certain kind of hashtags. And so I searched what's referred to as the hashtag blessed. How many examples of hashtag blessed do you think I came across? 130 million. 130 million people, hashtag blessed, were up there. As you look at all the pictures, you'll see people who are taking selfies, you know, duck face. They're up there doing their selfies. You'll see people who are reliving past vacations they've had, thinking hashtag blessed. People who were at Costco and they found toilet paper, hashtag blessed. <laughs> People who found a new car, bought a new car, hashtag blessed. And, and you'll see these sorts of examples on there. And the message they're sending out is, hey, everybody, look how well my life is going. I'm happy and I'm blessed. Now, God can shower us with things, tangible, material things. That's not a problem. That happens, and God can, can, can bless us in all kinds of ways and all kinds of things, but here's what you don't see in those 130 million hashtag blessed. You don't see a picture of somebody who's losing their job. You don't see a picture of somebody who just got laid off, of somebody who's going through a breakup. You don't see a picture of somebody in the hospital getting their arm put into a cast. You don't see a picture of somebody who's dealing with the realities of the pandemic. 
And here's why I mention this, because the message that that sends is that the absence of good things, the absence of good events in my life removes my blessing. That these good events and things in my life are the only source of blessing. Is that the type of blessing Jesus is referring to here when he says, blessed are those who have seen, who have not seen, and yet believe. I don't think that's what he's referring to. So I think what Jesus is referring to is more of what we find, for example, in like Psalm 84. Where Psalm 84, verse 4 says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they are ever praising you. What joy it is to be at home with the Lord. To be able to sing his praises with unending consistency. Verse 5 says, blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord. What joy it is to know that when our bodies fail, when our wills are weak, when life doesn't go well, we can lean on his strength. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. What joy it is to believe in the goodness of God and the truth of his word. That regardless of the situation, the choice, the challenge, the temptation we find, we can look to his word and trust in the Lord. What joy that brings to us. You see, in the Old Testament, the one who praises, the one who finds strength, the one who trusts in the Lord is the one who is blessed. And when we get to the New Testament, when we get to the arrival of Jesus, this understanding of blessedness is even intensified. See, in the New Testament, the word blessed shows up 112 times. Out of those 112 usages, how many, let's do a little quiz, how many times do you think it refers to material items? I'll give you three guesses, first two don't count. Zero. There's not a single time out of 112 instances in the New Testament where the word blessed is used, it has anything to do with material blessings. Why? Because true, enduring, never improved upon, never taken or stolen from you, never replaced source of blessing is found in the one and only Jesus Christ. The one whom we've not seen. And yet we can experience the power of his presence in our lives. The one in whom we come to believe in and and come to love and by extension of that experience glorious joy. The one whom we celebrate every single Christmas And even during the Christmas of 2020, we can say hashtag blessed. Because nothing can be taken from us when we have Christ. Amen? That's how it's been right from the very, very first Christmas. From the very first moment, from the very first Christmas, from the moment of Jesus' birth, the joy of Christ became a gift that just keeps on giving. And it started with some shepherds. Some simple shepherds in a field at night where an angel of the Lord appeared to them with an amazing message. And as that dark night was illuminated with the appearance of the angel, naturally, like the disciples, the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassures them, says, no, no, this isn't that kind of a message. This is good news. This is good news for all people. This is going to be a blessing for all people. And the angel says to them, I bring you good news that will cause what? Because great joy for all people. Why? Because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. 
Now at first, the shepherds would have been startled and surprised because of the appearance of the angels. But as the angels start to speak, they're even more startled by the words that they share. You see, because if this is true what they're saying, this is the best gift ever. If it's true, it's the best gift giver because it doesn't just have immediate impact upon them. It will make a difference for all of eternity. If this is true, that means that even as the baby grows older, the gift will never get old. It will never tarnish by the circumstances of the world around us. It means, if it's true, that all people have the opportunity now to be rescued from sin and death. But they hadn't seen him yet. But they could still feel that joy starting to ignite in their hearts. So they hurry off to go find a child. And they are blessed with the privilege of seeing. Just like the disciples were blessed with the privilege of seeing. It didn't tarnish their faith because they saw Jesus and believed. It was a privileged position they held to see. The shepherds shared in that as well. And they responded by worship. They worshiped him. Because it was just as they had been told. And from that moment on, their lives and their world, our lives and our world, would never be the same ever again. They may have been the first people who were told about the coming of Jesus. They may have been the first person to experience him in that fashion. They certainly weren't the last. Because, see, when they found that joy within themselves and laying in a manger, they couldn't contain it. It demanded to be shared, which is exactly what they did. We read about in Luke 2, verse 17 and 18, where it says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what the Lord had, concerning uh, what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. You see, we're living in a world right now where our headlines and our lives are controlled by what we're told not to spread. There's a virus that we're not able to see, and yet we know that's everywhere around us. We're told to avoid interacting with others because that's how we transmit. That's how we, how we transfer this. We're told that if we catch it, it has the power to change our lives. Even in some unfortunate situations, it has the power to take life. And so I urge you to follow the instructions that are given to us by, by our leaders these days in order that we can stay healthy and safe as well as your other loved ones. But on that first Christmas, I want to suggest to you the shepherds found something that was even more contagious. And other people couldn't see it. But it had the power of presence all around them. And when they came into contact with other people, it was transmitted so easily through a word, through a smile, through a kind gesture. And we read in Scripture, and we know in our own lives, that everyone who caught it had their lives changed because they found forgiveness, they found freedom, they found new life. And so I urge you also to follow the example of the shepherds for the benefit and the joy of yourselves and for all those around you. Especially with the challenges going on around us right now. If you catch the joy of Christmas, be sure to spread that around this year. You know, if you were to ask the shepherds what is their favorite Christmas, I think we know what their answer would be. Their answer would be the first one. 
Because when they have personally experienced Jesus in their lives, it led to this incredible gift of joy that meant their lives would never be the same. You see, the angel said that this was good news for all people, which means that it's good news for us as well. And maybe upon further reflection, as you think about that question, the best Christmas ever, you might go back to this first Christmas as well as yours favorite. The one where your Savior was born. The one where you first had the chance to encounter Jesus Christ because he came into our world. And it's true that we can't see him in that fashion today with our own eyes. But if I refer you back to the words of Peter that we started with, it says, though you have not seen him, you can still love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and can still be filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. If you've never received this gift of Jesus Christ, of his forgiveness, of the freedom, of the joy of new life with him, maybe you're already starting to feel that spark ignite within your hearts and it's saying to you, this is what you're missing. See, there are people who search this world to fill that emptiness with all sorts of things. They may look to material possessions, things that they can buy, things that they can create of their own energy, things that they can accomplish on their own. Some people turn to things like food and pleasure and eating and shopping and, and even towards addictions and substances to numb that emptiness or to try to fill that emptiness. And it occasionally provides momentary joy, but it soon fades and we're left hungry again, sometimes even hungrier than when we started. You see, that's because there's a hole in every person's heart that is God-shaped. And the only thing that fills it imperfectly is God. And he knew that. And he was concerned by that. And so he sent his son Jesus to fill that in your life. You see, our actions that have wronged others and violated God's laws, these things we called sin separated from God and makes it so that he can never fill that hole in our hearts because of the separation. But Jesus came to pay the price for our sins, that through him we could be brought into relationship with God. So that through him we could have that emptiness, that void filled by him. That hole in your heart is God's size. It can only be filled by him. He knew it and he solved it in Jesus. And it's a gift that he presents to everybody every day, but especially at Christmas as we think of these things. But like every gift, we have to receive it, we have to open it, and we have to make it our own. So if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to do so today. If, if you're struggling to find joy this season due to the circumstances all around you, I invite you to consider uh, clicking on that prayer button online or coming forward at the end of the service to pray with somebody and let us enter into that moment with you to help you find, to help you keep the joy of the Lord in your heart this Christmas season. Because even during Christmas 2020, we can experience the joy of the Lord and say that we are a blessed people. Because his joy is the joy that keeps on giving. Not because it makes the circumstances around us any better, because it reminds us he, he is always with us. He can never be taken from us, never tarnished. He can never be improved upon. There's never a new model. There's never a more powerful, more high-resolution console that's going to come out. Jesus, who was born that day, endures through all days. 
and is available to us to bring fresh expressions of our experience with him all days because he brings new life. And new life is not just about a moment in time where we accepted Christ. It's about a journey of finding deeper understanding and experience with him every day of our lives. But we can also say we're blessed this year because the joy of the Lord is contagious. It's something that we can catch. It's one thing that we need to spread this year. And we experience him, even though we do not see him, we can love him. And if we love him, we can experience the incredible joy from him. And when others see that in you, when they're struck by the joy that doesn't make sense in the midst of the circumstances, they're drawn to ask you, why are you so joyful? And in response, in response to that question, why are you so joyful? You can say, because a Savior has been born today. My Savior was born. And his name is Jesus. Hashtag blessed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that even in the midst of everything that we're going through in this time, that we can still find that sense of hope and peace, and absolutely we can find joy in you, Lord. Lord, I pray that this joy that's available to all people will be received by all people. Lord, help us to choose to make that the focus of our Christmas this year above all else. God, I pray that you would reset our reality from the temporary things to the eternal things. May we be people who hear and accept and announce the good news of Jesus Christ has come into the world. That may we be people who actively share in word and in deed, even in the times of limitations and precautions. May we be people who actively share your joy with all who we come into contact with. We pray this in your name. Amen.